five, four, three, two, one. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Inside You. It is Group of Five Wednesday, and we are back. First things first, I want to say that I know that when I post this, it will be Thursday. Sorry, this was the best I could do this week, so let's get right into it. As per usual, Nick Saban, Alabama head coach, is back in the media. Saban this week, during his weekly press conference, making comments directed towards Alabama's student section, saying that if the players should be forced to play all 60 minutes, the students should be required to show up for all 60 minutes. Keep in mind, Nick Saban, known for his inflammatory comments, this is a guy who a week ago asked for the media to publish negative things about his team. However, from a student perspective, Saban's team so far three home games have been against Arkansas State, Texas A&M, the lone SEC game, and Louisiana. Also, the timing of these comments is a little suspect. They're doing it the weekend before they play Arkansas on the road, and then they host Mizzou next weekend, which even with Drew Locke, who's a fringe Heisman Trophy contender, I don't think is exactly a barn burner. So between all these things, I think it's understandable why maybe the lack of support from Alabama's student section hasn't been as much as he would like, but let's also remember how good this team has been. I mean, they were up 49-0 to at Louisiana at halftime this past weekend. If he wants guys to stay around, give them a reason to stay around and schedule more tough opponents. This goes back to the YouTube video I posted giving my current college football playoff top four. I have Alabama at fourth for the main reason being the lack of true competition. You can see that now on YouTube, youtube.com, inside you, the college sports podcast. So it makes sense for me that all of this is happening. I think this is Saban just looking for another reason to kind of fire people up. And it doesn't surprise me that he would do something like this. But again, if he wants to give the fans a reason to stay around, give them a reason to stay around by scheduling better opponents. So that moves us on to the next big thing right now, which is the red shirt rule. Certainly, as I've mentioned previously, I was waiting to see how this would impact the game. Already, there have been two big transfers. Jalen McCleskey deciding to transfer from Oklahoma State. Kelly Bryant deciding to transfer from Clemson. Bryant obviously receiving a lot of criticism following the difficulties that Clemson faced this last weekend when they were struggling against Syracuse after starter Trevor Lawrence suffered a neck injury. Lawrence, it looks like, will be back, in fact, for the game this weekend against Lake Forest. They said he did not have a cushion. He just suffered a neck strain. Who knows whether that's the truth, but it looks like he will end up starting this weekend against Wake Forest. He's practiced all week, but also then to add further fuel to the fire, Tua Tagovailoa came out and made Carmen's first commending Hurts for how he's handled being the backup, saying that Alabama is primed to be in a great position if he were to suffer an injury, unfortunately, but at the same time, and then kind of taking a shot at Kelly Bryant and saying Bryant didn't handle things the same way, et cetera, et cetera. This is more of just kind of the same talk that we heard from Clemson's defensive coordinator, Tim Elliott, following their win over Syracuse about, you know, I'm a guy who's just about sticking it out and yada, yada, yada. Now, let's just start off with the most obvious thing here. Jalen Hurts has two years of eligibility remaining. If he burned one, he still has one year where he can go play football. This is Kelly Bryant's last year of football eligibility. I repeat, last. As in, after this next year, he is done. The reality is, as much as we like to talk about players committing to schools and coaches committing to players, these coaches promise a number of guys each year that they're going to come to their school and they're going to put them in the best position to play at the next level. But as times go on and recruits come in and players pin out and injuries happen, the reality is there's only 22 spots available and guys don't end up seeing playing time. For that reason, Guys transfer to improve their chances. 
And as a college football player or any athlete for that matter, you get one shot at this. So for Bryant to then come out of this season as a backup and then try and go in the NFL draft and get drafted very unlikely, most likely he ends up signing a free agent deal with the team. Who knows what happens once he gets to camp. And that's probably the end of Kelly Bryant. Now he has an entire rest of his season to assess where he wants to transfer to. He can then start training on his own privately, working on his skill set, his fundamentals, the throwing mechanics that hindered him from being the full-time starter at Clemson. Then he's going to get a whole new season next year where he'll be the star of a program. That's going to set him up to be in the best position to improve his draft stock going into what then would be his new senior draft date. Furthermore, I think across the board, we've seen an increase in the profile of group of five quarterbacks over the last few years with the success of Carson Wentz and depending on what happens with Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills. And for a guy like Bryant, he's sitting here going, I won an ACC title. I ran roughshod over a Miami team. And if I can just do the things I need to do, I think there's a very good shot of me getting to the next level. So no, I don't disagree with it. Yes, I like the rule. I understand about this whole unintended consequences that will maybe seniors will use it. But these are the guys that also have the least amount to lose. Excuse me, the, the, the least amount to gain in that this is literally their last shot. It's very hard once you're out of football to get back into it. We've seen this consistently over the course of any player's career. And if a senior sitting here and saying either he doesn't like the way he's being used and he thinks he can put up better numbers in a different offense or with a different quarterback, or he's saying here saying, I would like to improve my chances of playing at the next level. I don't see a problem with using that red strip strategically. And I think this is also going to probably improve play across the board as now we're going to see teams that maybe couldn't get a guy straight out of high school now catching them later on. That's going to make, I think, football across the board more competitive. And then more importantly, it's going to put pressure on coaches to really not lie to their guys as much and be honest with them and have to then start recruiting guys who maybe you don't necessarily think he has the talent, but he's the best guy that you have to stay. And in returning to this whole Jalen Hurts versus Kelly Bryant comparison, one of the things that was interesting to note was ESPN put out a story this last week where they said that part of the reason why Hurts is not transferring is so that he can work with quarterback coach Dan Enos the first time he's had a full-time dedicated quarterback coach full-time. If he were to take that red shirt, he'd then be on the scout team. He'd be essentially Mac Jones. He would no longer be taking meaningful reps in practice. And he would essentially be just a guy thrown to the wolves. Now he's getting real quarterback training. They're saying they've noticed incredible improvement with him. Nick Saban even saying he's noticed incredible improvement. He's going to put himself to be in the most prime position when he, in fact, does graduate in December. And wherever he ends up, he's going to be able to ball out for his senior year. So no comparison there. I completely agree with the rule. I agree with the usage. And I think at the end of the day, if you're going to complain about a guy transferring after you've made millions of dollars off of him, that just doesn't sit too right for me. Why shouldn't the guy be able to increase his chances of making millions of dollars too? So that moves us along to the Heisman Trophy standings. Tua Tagovailoa, obviously everyone's favorite right now, certainly the darling of college football at the moment. When you put up 49 points in the first half against Louisiana, it's certainly impressive. I saw one stat saying that he was a hundred. He had a 100% completion rate. That means that he did not miss one throw. A receiver did not drop one ball. A pass wasn't overthrown, underthrown etc etc so very impressive however again like i've said if you missed it you can also see my heisman trophy september winner on youtube now i one of my complaints with two tag of low is the competition he's doing it against we're going to learn a little bit more this weekend when they play arkansas and then the week after against mizzou but really we're not going to know what type of player we have until they get to the meat of that sec schedule 
And so until then, well, I think Tua Tagovailoa should remain in contention, assuming he doesn't just completely fall off the face of the earth. I'm not ready to just give him the Heisman. That then leads us to Will Greer, the West Virginia quarterback, a tight or than expected victory over Texas Tech this past weekend. West Virginia came out to a big lead, but the defense continued to show why they're the Achilles heel of the Mountaineers. Greer, I think, is certainly suffering from not having played that game against another fringe Heisman Trophy contender in NC State's Ryan Finley, which was canceled because of Hurricane Florence. But I still think as long as he's continuing to put up monstrous numbers, he might be the player poised to do the most right now to separate himself long term. However, I am concerned about the Mountaineers defense and those two games they have. First, having to go and get a win over a better than expected Texas team and then having to beat Oklahoma on the last week uh, weekend of the season, even with it being at home. So not ready to give Greer the Heisman there. Then we got Dwayne Haskins, who certainly struggled against Penn State, but they did manage to get the job done. My issue with Haskell's Greer and Tagafloa for that matter is that they've been do- doing incredible things, but with incredible pieces. To me, the Heisman Trophy should go to the best player and the player who's asked to do the most and whose play gives his team the opportunity to win games that they necessarily shouldn't. In that regard, I think a lot of quarterbacks could be successful in that plug-and-play system that Ohio State has with all the pieces they have, from the receivers to the running backs and everything else. So definitely improvement. I would say Haskins probably took a step back this last weekend, but not a big one, not an insurmountable one, and he should continue to remain in the running. Then we've got Kyler Murray, who a lot of people were down on after that close, close victory over Army but he responded with a seven-touchdown performance over a okay Baylor team. Uh, this is also after Murray did not play, start, excuse me, play the start the first series of the game after showing up late to practice on Friday. So for him to come out and still account for seven touchdowns is very, very impressive. We're going to learn a lot about Murray this weekend. When the Sooners face Texas in the Red River showdown, it will be very interesting to see how these Sooners perform against a Texas team that is certainly coming for a victory. Then we've got Ed Oliver, who was on a bye week, certainly lost a lot of luster after a Texas Tech team ran roughshod over them a couple of weeks ago, but still there in the running and could very well work himself into at least a finalist position at this point. That then leaves us with two of my more preferred picks, the first one being Lavishka Chenault at Colorado. Colorado had a tight game with UCLA this last weekend until their offense finally woke up, ultimately winning 37-16. to Chenault has been phenomenal. If you've seen those games, the way they've used him, how they've used him is very entertaining. He's just a great player. He may, in fact, be the top wide receiver in the Pac-12 right now, possibly even in the country, although that might be a bit of a stretch. However, with Colorado, I have to worry about that defense. Certainly going to be a question mark, but if the offense can continue to perform like they did in the second half of that game against UCLA, they're going to have a real shot at winning the Pac-12 South, and from there, who knows what can happen. So a very impressive play by Chenault, but he is only a sophomore. So in many ways, maybe this is more about selling himself up for his junior year than necessarily winning it right now. And then my pick for Heisman Trophy at the moment, Benny Snell. Snell, keep in mind, is doing the most out of all these players with the least. Terry Wilson, the Wildcats quarterback, is a very good game manager, but not much more than that. Snell's numbers have been phenomenal. He had 99 last week over a good South Carolina team, a team that many people picked to win the SEC East. This weekend, we're certainly going to learn a lot about Snell and his candidacy as they travel for their first road game against Texas, excuse me, their second road game against Texas A&M. 
But if the Wildcats can get it done, I think the sky's the limit for Snell. Looking at the rest of their roster, other than the Georgia game, I think they should win all of their remaining games. If they finish 11-1, and they finish second in the SEC East behind Georgia, a team that most people are picking to the playoff, I don't see why you don't just give it to Benny Snell. So that moves us along. Let me know what you guys think. The one other name that I could probably throw in on here is uh, Justin Herbert at Oregon. Uh, Herbert continues to perform impressively, but I just think when you look at that preseason competition that they had, certainly a lot of people are not going to give him much credit for that. Then obviously suffering that heartbreaking overtime loss to Stanford a couple of weeks ago. Sure, they rebounded last week against the undefeated Cal team, but I think with Herbert, he's certainly probably the best in terms of an NFL prospect right now, but I just don't think the Oregon team right now has the kind of cachet that you need to win a Heisman. The Heisman, in many sense, of the last few years has become more of a popularity contest than anything, starting with Johnny Football and then somewhat more last season with Baker Mayfield. And I think a lot of it is with hype. I think that's why Tua Tagovailoa right now is many people's favorites. He just seems to be the guy that the focus is on in college football right now. But again, like I said, I don't think the Heisman is necessarily about who play. It should be about who plays on the best team. I think it should be about who is the best player. So let me know what you guys think. Moving on from there. And that comes to this game's previews. First things first, we've got Tulsa kicking it off with Houston. Houston coming off a bye week. Tulsa. Continuing to show improvement. Houston right now is favored by 17.5. That is a lot of points for me. Houston's offense is good, but they're not that good. Temple, Tulsa certainly hung with Temple, whose offense I think is a little bit better. I like the under here. I just think that as good as Houston's defense is, their offense isn't that good. 17.5, a little bit too much for me. I think it'll be probably more about a two-touchdown game. And we're going to see the Cougars win, definitely. But Tulsa will manage to keep it close than expected then. We've got Middle Tennessee taking on Marshall. Right now, Marshall is favored by six points. Again, I like the under here. Middle Tennessee coming off a one-point loss to Lane Kiffin's FAU team. Certainly with FAU's offense taking a step back, though, they're better than the other offenses that Marshall has faced so far this season. Marshall coming off a win over a pretty bad Western Kentucky team. I think Middle Tennessee actually pulls off the upset here, and that's why I like them in this game. Especially, I think that one-point loss to FAU is going to really motivate them. They certainly exposed a lot of holes in Lane Kiffin's defense, which in many ways I think is probably the best part of that FAU team right now. So I've got Middle Tennessee pulling off the upset over Marshall. That moves us along to Tulane taking on an undefeated Cincinnati team. Cincinnati last week put up 49 on UConn. UConn obviously not great going under its own rebuild under returning Previous head coach Randy Edsall, Tulane, on the other hand, is coming off a huge upset over Memphis. That Memphis claim, if you missed it, was close until Tulane's offense decided to go to work. That was also on a short week, which means that Tulane will be well-rested going into this game. Since he currently, though, only favored by 7.5 points, I'm taking the over here. I think that as good as Tulane's offense was last week, that was more of an aberration than anything. I think Cincinnati comes in here, easily handles them. Tulane also likely probably coming off a bit of a hangover following that huge win over Mississippi at home with those new helmets. If you haven't seen them yet, you should Google them online. Very interesting. So I like Cincy to come in here and just completely blow out the green waves. So then we've got a big mountain West town 
showdown between San Diego State and Boise State. Boise right now favored by 14. Again, I like the under. I think a lot of the reason why this 14 number has been thrown out is because starting quarterback Christian Chapman as well as starting running back Jawan Washington are both injured. But in their replacements, Chase Jasmine and Ryan Agnew, they might actually be better. San Diego State, remember, is going to run a very run-dominant ball control style of offense. They're coming off a bye week. And while I'm not willing to say San Diego State will win this game, I think it very much comes down to probably about a touchdown. So I'm taking the under there. Also, keep in mind that Boise State is coming off a 20-point beatdown over a OK Wyoming team, but San Diego State's offense is certainly better, and I think their defense will be able to do just enough to keep the game close. So I've got the Aztecs. I've got Boise State winning the game, but I've got Aztecs outperforming the spread. So then we move on to SMU traveling to Central Florida. Central Florida is favored by 24.5. SMU coming off a win over Houston Baptist. UCF beating Pitt by 31. Again, here you probably want to take the over. SMU's issue this year hasn't necessarily been their defense. They did an okay job corralling TCU's offense early on, but their offense has had very much difficulty scoring. UCF, meanwhile, has had zero difficulty scoring, but some issues on defense. I think UCF comes in here and gets the job done. And Sonny Dykes continues to show why his team is in a rebuild. And then we've got an interesting matchup between Colorado State and San Jose State. Don't expect a lot of defense in this game. San Jose State is coming off a upsetting overtime loss to Hawaii, falling a missed field goal, a five-overtime loss. Colorado State, on the other hand, is coming out their bye week after having lost to Illinois State. Certainly going into this season, I think a lot of people thought that Mike Bobo's team would be one of the better teams in the Mountain West. However, they've continued to show that they are not any better on defense, even with a new defensive coordinator. Also, from a larger perspective, I think right now one of the reasons if you're looking at your team and going, we should hire a new head coach, if you look at that group of five level, there's certainly some guys who you could say, okay, maybe he could move on right away. Josh Hoople at Central Florida, obviously the obvious candidate right now. But then you have to look at other programs, maybe Brian Harrison at Boise, if they can continue to perform well. But I think he lost some luster following Boise State's loss to Oklahoma State. Then you've also got Mike Bobo at Colorado State, who always was attached to a couple of jobs, but they have certainly not looked great the Rams this year. They were first blown out by Hawaii team, which although they looked better than expected, and Cole McDonald's performing extremely well, things have just gotten worse from there. Even with that upset win over Arkansas, you hope that Bobo's team would get it together. But unfortunately, they've shown they haven't. Right now, Colorado State is favored by three in this game. But I actually have San Jose State pulling off the upset. Josh Love can flat out sling it, even with that heartbreaking overtime loss to Hawaii. I think you're going to see San Jose State come out motivated. And they're going to come out looking to finally win this one. Colorado State, on the other hand, coming off a bye week following that gun rushing loss to Illinois State. And... On one hand, I don't think there'll be much defense in this game, but I expect San Jose State's defense to just be a little bit better. Colorado State's defensive issues are just kind of a plague that they've been never able to really figure out the answer to. I think that Josh Love comes in and just runs rush out of this team. A high-scoring game. Again, not a lot of defense, but I think San Jose State pulls off the upset. Then we've got UConn traveling to Memphis. Memphis right now, I have seen them favored by as much as 36 points. To me, that's ridiculous considering how diff- much difficulty they had scoring in a loss to Tulane last week. UConn, on the other hand, going under their own rebuild, as I mentioned, at a returning head coach, Randy Edsall. They got blown out by Cincinnati this week. However, 
Memphis this year, again, like I said a few minutes ago, if you're looking at that group of five level, Norvell, their head coach, was linked to a lot of power five jobs. He returned, people thought, with Brady White, a former Arizona State transfer who Norvell had worked with when he was the OC at Arizona State. Things were going to be better. Their offense has just not looked great with the loss of Riley Ferguson. Sure, Gerald Henderson, one of their running backs and punt returners, is phenomenal. He has crazy stats individually, but the offense across the board has shown me that they are having trouble putting it in the end zone. And that 36 to me, even with as bad as UConn is, is just too much. So I like the under there. Then we've got, finally, Wyoming taking on Hawaii. I have Hawaii favored by three. Hawaii, if you've missed it, like I mentioned earlier, Cole McDonald, their starting quarterback, a lot of people didn't know about early on. He was replacing Drew Brown, who decided to transfer to Oklahoma State and has since found a job as a bench warmer there. Since then, McDonald and Tyler Usua, Hawaii's star wide receiver, have shown that they can score and score at will. McDonald, if you haven't watched the highlights, you should check him out following that win over San Jose State. A couple of those shuttle passes that he was able to punch in for touchdowns are just ridiculous. They're coming in, and they're going to take on a tough Wyoming team who, while their defense is certainly good, their offense has struggled. They lost over to, to Boise by 20 points last week. I think McDonald's going to continue to show why he's one of the better quarterbacks in the Power of Five right now, and Hawaii ultimately managed to win this game. And like I said, I've got the over on that one. So that's it for me, guys, going into another very interesting week of college football. Certainly not as many high-profile and interesting games this weekend, but enough to keep us interesting. A lot of people will just have to get the job done, and as we've seen anything so far this season, it's that just getting the job done will be difficult. There will be some upsets. There will be some guys that will take themselves out, and I think after this weekend, the big thing will be we'll have a much clearer Heisman Trophy picture. So I will be back on Monday to discuss all this weekend's games and any news that happens between now and then. So you guys have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you soon. Talk to you later. Inside You, the College Sports Podcast. Hosted by Xavier J. Audix, signing out. Bye.